Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Fighting Words on the Fighting Words News Network. Fighting Words is brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of Police and Fire Services, the men and women on the first line of COVID, the doctors, the nurses, and especially the people that clean up in their hospitals, and the wonderful people at the supermarkets that are working their damnedest to keep those stocks, there's a stock high on the shelves, shelves, but they're fighting a losing battle each and every day. Uh, again, thank you very much. We want to say congratulations to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, and in, uh, in to one person especially, uh, Mr. McPherson, who was uh, uh, the responsible kicker for. Uh, 12 of the 19 points that uh, they scored. Um, I feel sorry, very sorry for uh, Ryan Tannerhill. He's been around the league many, many times, many, many leagues, many, many teams. But uh, 
he keeps going and just uh, doesn't seem to get that final thing in. Uh, tonight's program is brought to you by BioSolar. You're tired of, of paying these very high bills to your electric company. If you're tired of them watching it, watching them raise your bill every six months to every year, there's a way to, to stop that. There's a way to save 25% on your, your uh, electric bill and beginning and over the next 25 years, save 50%. Uh, on your electric bill. Uh, there's no cost to you to install. Uh, they're very easy to install. And if you give our friend uh, Keith and his buddy, I'm sorry, Patrick and his buddies, a call at BioSolar, they'll be glad to help you out. The area code is 727-314-6976. Now, that's a, that's a Florida area code, but they are licensed in each and every state and have affiliates in each and every state that will work with you. So if you get a chance, give them a call, 727-314-6978. Yes, with Patrick. Tell them you heard it here on, on Fighting Words, and you'll get a $200 bonus. Well, guys, it's good to be back with you. Ty, great like Katie. Um, it's uh, been a terrific week. Uh, got a lot of things coming up. Man. Uh, Oh yeah. You want to? Uh, you want to? Uh, let's see. Who wants to start? Kate, you want to start? Yeah, sure. I'll start. Right. Um, so I just want to say it's going to be a a great night tonight. We got uh, UFC 270, Ngannou versus Gon, <laughs> and Moreno versus Figueroa. And um, I also wanted to start out by also congratulating the Cincinnati Bengals. Me being a Bengals fan, it's a big win. We needed it for the franchise. Um, and, sure. and, and, yeah. Just in case, I know you made a, uh, a statement prior to uh, uh, prior program. So I was at the store today, and I went past the uh, frozen food section, and they just have to have a crow there, so I got some for you. Uh, what do you think, Ty? If you're talking about Caden's prediction with uh, Cyril Gan and, and Francis Ngannou, then I'm going to be eating crow right next to him, and we'll butter and lather it up and make it nice and fat because I don't have to be fat, really. Uh, but, no, I'm, I'm with Caden. I think, uh, you know, right now the odds maker have the odds makers have uh, Cyril Gan as a, as a slight favorite, and I tend to agree. Obviously, Francis Ngannou – has tremendous power, and he can catch anybody at any time because he's also quick and agile for a guy his size. Uh, with that said, I'm a guy who studied and trained Muay Thai extensively for quite some time. And when I watched Cyril Gain fight, and I watched a few of his Muay Thai fights too, this guy's like just very loose, composed, and very technically sound. And Francis Naganu has gotten pretty adept at throwing low leg kicks, um, every now and then he'll mix in a, a high kick. Uh, but just as far as the well-rounded tools and skill set, he's really not quite on Cyril Gan's level. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, so I'm not going to eat too much crow because I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're to win. And if this were a different evening, then I think Francis Ngannou might win. I might be picking Ngannou. But with everything going on, if he loses his fight, he's able to walk away from the UFC, which he absolutely wants to do. He said boxing has to be part of his contract moving forward or else he will not fight. You'll um, just sit out, he'll say. Uh, part of the reason is I was reading a cover story in ESPN about him. And, you know, he's from a small village in Cameroon. And he always dreamed of going to America to be a professional boxer. He only started doing MMA because he had – his boxing gym was, he was, had finally migrated to France. His boxing gym was closed for the month of August one time. And so a guy said, hey, there's a gym you could train at. He went there, and the guy said, hey, if you want to make some money, I can have you in an MMA fight in a couple months. That's how he started MMA. Boxing is his dream. So with his mindset going into the fight against an opponent who's comparable to him, I think that's just enough mm -hmm. for Cyril Gaon to go ahead and get the Duke. So I'm 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 with Dave. 
Thank you. Finally. (laughs) 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 All right. Then uh, what do you think about – all right, uh, Kane, what do you think of uh, Negron and uh, Usman coming up? Uh, Is that going to be a a good fight, or is it going to be Negron and – uh, and Asadio. Um, uh, well, I, honestly, uh, Usman is tearing through everybody in, in the in the welterweight division. Um, mm-hmm. and so is I mean, Adesanya is tearing through everybody in the middleweight division. They're both they're both fighters that are showing no signs of slowing down at all. Especially mm-hmm. Usman. Usman's getting win after win after win after win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know, I, I both of them I think are gonna win that fight easy. But any fight well, Usman has, Usman has Leon Edwards coming up next. Yeah, and he should be a prohibitive favorite. Edwards, Edwards is on a nine-fight winning streak, but his last loss was a unanimous decision to Usman, you know, a few years back. Usman should be a prohibitive favorite going into the Edwards fight, and I expect him to win. As far as Israel mm-hmm. Adesanya, he's facing Robert Whitaker, which is also a rematch, and he's going to be a pretty significant favorite as well. However, I view that fight a lot closer. I do believe that Robert Whitaker right now is uh, Israel Adesanya's toughest challenge in the middleweight division. I believe Kamal Usman took care of his toughest challenge, which is Kobe Covington. I think everyone else is second to Kobe Covington in the welterweight division. I think everyone else is second to um Robert Whitaker in the middleweight division, of course, outside of the champions from Nigeria. So uh, both good fights, but I, uh, both champions are going to go in as favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, I also tell uh, me if you. Go ahead. I also want to say, uh, I think uh, coming up later, like later, maybe um, I think maybe next year, twenty twenty three, uh, if Hamza. If Hamzat wins, because he wants to fight Gilbert Burns, I'm a big right, Hamzat guy. Right. I think he can win that fight. And if he wins that fight, I think he's next in line to get the title shot against Usman. And I think that's going to be a, a great fight. You know what? I, I agree and disagree with you. I don't think he should be next in line, even if he beats Gilbert Burns. And that's because of one Vincent Luque, who was also like on a seven-fight or or. or eight-fight winning streak. Like, he's won nine out of ten. The only loss was you know, a couple of years back to Stephen Thompson. And he's finished, like, eight of the nine people he's fought. Um, mm-hmm. So, Vincent Luque really should be in queue right after Leon Edwards. However, because of the popularity of Hazmat Shimeyev, if he were to beat Gilbert Burns, who I, I believe would be the highest-rated opponent that he or Luke would beat. I absolutely see them putting him into a title shot against Usman. Although Vincent Luque, based on his win streak, quality of wins, would, would probably should deserve to be the very next in queue after Leon Edwards. So I, I, I agree with you, but I don't I don't think Cosmot is deserving as of yet. That's right. he, he right, might, I don't think Hamza might not be deserving of it, but I think Hamza is more of a money fight. And we all know Dana Oh, him. absolutely. That, and, and that's why that's why I said I, I, I could see it happening. If he, Not only if he were to beat Burns, but if he were to go in there and destroy Gilbert Burns, kind of like he's doing everyone else. Like, oh, yeah. I, there's no way him not getting that shot because he would have just beaten the top five guy. And even though Vincent Luque has, you know, a long winning streak, it's kind of like, you know, Leon Edwards' winning streak. It's kind of – under the radar, his name is not as big. There is no way if Hosmott were to sign against Gilbert Burns to go in there and demolish him, there is no way he's not fighting for the title next. I absolutely agree with you. Well, you know, we uh, we have a person on the staff that is uh, we, we love to uh, say is a, the technical expert. And let's go to him and uh, let's find out what, what's your thoughts on this fight, Z. Hey, first I want to say, hey, how's everyone doing? I'm sorry I didn't make last week, uh, and I'm sorry I'm late today. I've been so just busy working. That's coming. I mean, for a purpose. Um, I didn't hear the fight that was mentioned. I'm sorry. Sorry, 
Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, uh, wait, 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 I, I didn't. I, my bad. I didn't hear what you said either. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't hear the fight that was mentioned. Uh, exactly yeah, yeah. what y'all were talking about. I caught the tail end. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. Um, I'm pretty. We were talking about um, like who should get the uh, the title shot next uh, against Usman. After Ooh. after Leon Edwards, who's next in line after we, Leon Edwards? We we were talking about Vincent Luque by virtue of his win streak finishes. He should absolutely be next in queue. However, um, there's a good chance they could sign a fight between Hazmat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. And if Shemaev were to go in there mm. and destroy Burns, Dana White would absolutely uh, move Shemaev to the title shot ahead of Usman. Or not ahead of Usman, ahead of Vincent Luque. Um, as I said, as I was saying, Vincent Luque, his win streak, kind of like Leon Edwards. It's impressive, even yeah. more impressive because of the amount of finishes he has, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's not as well known uh, to the casual fan as Hazma Shemaev. The other thing, too, is if Hazma Shemaev were to sign and fight Gilbert Burns and go in there and beat Gilbert Burns, that would be the, the highest-rated win between yep. Shemaev and Luque. So, with his name recognition, and if he were to go in there and demolish Gilbert Burns, there would be such a, a, a groundswell of support for that fight, and it would be a money fight, which Dana, like Caden said earlier, Dana likes. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my opinion, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't see. I mean, just technically talking, uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe he he beats uh my goodness, I, I don't want to mispronounce his name. But maybe he beats Gilbert Burns. But I don't see him going in there just smashing Gilbert Burns <laughs> to be honest. I mean a win's a win and Dana but I mean <laughs> You know what? I uh, Gilbert Burns is a tremendous grappler. And Cosmat Shimayev Gilbert Burns is, you know, he's not the biggest welterweight. He came up from from lightweight, but he's like a fire plug. He is freaking dense. And Hazmat yeah. Shemaev more than likely would would look to take him down, quite possibly. And mm-hmm. um, and and you know that's where it's dangerous because because Gilbert could easily submit someone off their back. You know, especially a guy <laughs> who's who's a wrestler, sambo guy. You know, they kind of get their necks caught out there. But the thing is, though, right, which is scary, what is really scary about Hazmat Shemaev is, if you remember, he's had a couple fights in middleweight. He's a big welterweight, mm-hmm. and um, his, his, his boxing is, is, is pretty sharp for a wrestling guy. And, um, I, like, I think it, w- it would be very dangerous on the feet for Gilbert, but there are two yeah. things, right? And this is why I, I kind of agree with your prediction at this point. Because there are two things we don't know at all about Hazmat Shemaev. We don't know if he could take a punch, and we don't know what his gas tank looks like. One thing I know is he suffered very severely, and Caden, you know this as well, he suffered very severely with COVID to the mm-hmm. point of calling it quits on his career. He actually had posted that he was going to retire. It was that bad. He tried to train, was coughing up blood. Now, the reason why it was so bad is because he wasn't resting. He always wanted to train, and so he was just exasperating the illness. However, with that said, one thing I've learned um, about COVID is it compromises your lungs sometimes in individuals from that point forward. So with that said, we already had questions surrounding his cardio because he hasn't fought past the second round. Then he's had the COVID issue, so we don't know how that's going to affect his cardio. And I still don't know if the kid could take a punch. So there are some questions that I believe at the very least a fight with Gilbert would answer. Yeah, when you go up and start fighting veterans and guys who are still, you know, veterans who aren't totally shot, the game becomes a little different. I mean, you, as you were saying, there are impressive finishes. I don't want to, you know, as I say, I never want to disrespect anybody in the fight game, but um, it, it's, there's levels to this. So once you start reaching, as you see in boxing, and anything you get to, once you reach a certain level, you're not getting the devastating stops anymore. You're not getting the finishes. I mean, guys, now now things are on equal ground. So 
I mean, I, I like I, I like Hazmat, but I I, I want to see you know I want to see the Flash have substance to a certain point, and you know, and you have to fight guys, you have to fight guys, and it seems to me to to, I mean, he's earning, but he's still a little protected to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you. Let's move over to uh, boxing, uh, Z. Um, Joe Smith had a had a long night last week. Uh, it took him to the ninth round to actually get Shifford out of there. Um, what's your thoughts on that fight? Uh, you have to excuse me, but for the past maybe three weeks, I've been kind of out of boxing. I've been working on weekends. Everything's been. You know, I've been working a whole lot. I'm sorry. Um, I saw the fight. I, I, I could comment on it. No worries, Thanks. G. I got it. Um, uh, he had a long night because he had a guy in front of him who basically just shelled up behind a high guard. Then he win. He destroyed the guy. Um, he was fighting mm. a late replacement, Steve Jafard, and uh, mm. Jafard had lost his mm. first two fights. Went on a 18 fight win streak. Had some national amateur credentials, right? So he has a mm. skill set. Um, but he, he just he never let his hands go. And, um, you know, yeah. Smith showed, showed some improvement to his craft, you know what I mean, in the fact that, you know, I saw a, a more consistent jab. He was feigning. He was stepping around more. Like, so I saw definite improvement to his craft. Um, but, yeah, he only yeah. had a long night because Jafar didn't throw enough punches to open himself up for damage. Like, he was really there to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get everybody out of there. You, I mean, as simple as that. You can't. I mean, he might have got him out of there, but in the simple terms, you can't get everybody out of there. Also, Abraham was tough until he ran into that, you know, competition, and now and then he was a guy who mm-hmm. high guarded and kept him up, you know, without trying to initiate a whole bunch of contact. Yeah, I mean, you know, a guy who fights off the back foot, and he's he's rangier than Joe Smith, right? So he would throw his jab out, but basically fight off the back foot and and just cover up. Um, Tech and move. Tech and cover. Yeah. So he, he you know, I, I, scared of the he, was, he, he was trying to catch and shoot here and there, um, but he was also trying to survive. Right. And, 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 and that's that's the of the contact. I mean, and, and it happens to guys because either before the fight or something happens during the fight to where to where you know a guy is going to react to to the contact. He's going to you know he might shy away. Um, and I think I was talking to you, Ty. You might have brought it up, uh, but Oscar De La Hoya still looks Trinidad. Oscar was yeah. winning the fight handily, but. Those last four rounds lost him the fight. I don't care if he won the the first eight. Those last four rounds were equal to Lomachenko's losing the first eight to Terrafimo Lopez. You mentioned their levels to this, and that was part of the problem, right? I don't know so much if Steve Jaffard was contact-averse, but that was the first time he ever fought at that anywhere near that level. So remember, he was picked literally like on two weeks' notice because uh, uh, he, um, Joe Smith was supposed to fight Callum Williams. Callum Williams came down with COVID. So yeah, oh. you know, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what Jafar had in the gas tank. He had never fought at that level. So there was a lot going. It was a main event on national TV. There was a lot going and against him. Two weeks' notice, so, shaping all that. Yeah, yeah. Before I would mm-hmm. say he was contact averse. He could have been managing his gas tank. He could have been frozen yeah, by the moment. He could have been, you know, the le- the level of of that caliber of opponent could have bought him. It could have been a, a bunch of different things. But what happened ultimately is he didn't let his hands go, and you know he was he, he was a mobile punching bag for for nine rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to yeah. Have to, yeah. What about tonight's uh, big fight with? Uh, uh, Morano and uh, uh, was it Figueroa? Figueroa. Davis um, Figueroa and Brandon Moreno. Oh, Brandon Moreno and uh, Davis and Figueroa, Caden. Yeah, yeah, Figueroa. The trilogy. Um, oh yeah, the trilogy. That's a big. That's a big fight. 
That, that is a big yeah. fight. You got I love yeah. I love Moreno's uh, Cinderella story. I love his whole. You know, he's a, he's a Mex- he truly is a Mexican warrior, and I love that. I love Mexican fighters. I love their fighting style. Um, I do too. And I mean, Figueroa. We look at how our differences. Uh, Figueroa, he's a big striker, and he's a like he's for for how small he is, he's a he's a knockout kind of guy. He can knock people out. He he's a finisher. Uh, Moreno is he's a wrestler. He, you get on the ground, with Moreno. It's it's the ground's pretty. It's almost done. The fight's pretty much done. He gets you into a submission. Fight's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. All right, guy. So, um, me personally, I no, have, he's absolutely, which is absolutely right. Uh, I mean, Kane's absolutely right as far as the breakdown of, of each gentleman. As far as this being the trilogy, the first fight was a draw, um, but most people walked away from that fight saying, you know what, when they rematch, Devinson Figueredo is, is going to beat him. He, you know, he, he looked like the better fighter in the first fight. He definitely inflicted more damage on Moreno in the first fight. The second fight was, was a completely different template altogether. Marino came out and boxed him up on a feet. When Figueroa tried the grappling, Marino tapped him out. Um, and Marino just looked like he had improved dramatically uh, from the first fight to the second fight. And he's been pr- improving dramatically. And one thing you have to understand, too, is Figueroa's like 33. The weight cuts to 125 are brutal for him. So it's been talked about him moving up to Bantam weight, which is 135 for quite some time. Brandon, Figure, uh, Brandon Moreno is in his late 20s, so he still has room to improve and, and grow as a fighter, and that's what he has been doing. And that's what makes this fight so interesting. But you got to favor, and I know Caden does as well, you got to favor uh, Brandon Moreno based off the last performance um, as the favorite going into this fight. The other thing, too, is one thing that makes Devinson Figueroa so dangerous and Caden hearkened to this, is his punching power. Rarely do you see guys at 125 hit that freaking hard. And Figueredo is mm-hmm. hard. He awes people with his punching power, and he's got an extremely strong grappling game, which most people thought was stronger than Moreno's the last fight. The problem Moreno presents him is that Moreno was the one guy and this is the case of Mexican fighters. This is what I like about Antonio Martinez. Moreno was the one guy who was able to walk through his shots and keep doing what he was doing. And when Figueredo came out in the second fight, he noticeably was more gunshot because he knew, you know what, this is a guy who no matter what I hit him with is going to keep coming. So he was trying to be more tactical, and he had a flat performance. So I just think Moreno is a very bad style matchup for, for Figueredo and his skill set and what he brings to the table. Good. Yeah, Z, what do you think about uh, George Camboso um, versus uh, Lomachenko possibly uh, in June of this year? Um, let me tell you something. George Camboso, he's overmatched to me. But he, I think, you know what, style-wise, yeah, he's overmatched. But I think he has the heart. I don't know about the armor as much. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, he didn't really get touched by uh, Terrafimo until late. Um, he did all the touches for the movie. He brought the fight. Um, if he can make it ugly against Lomachenko, he stands a very good shot. He has quick hands. He, he has pretty good foot movement. He tends to dig in and fight a little too much against this level of competition. Uh, he got away with it uh, last time. But Lomachenko is a very steady machine. Um, with a steady machine, you want to throw a cog right, in the, right, right into the uh, – right, you want to throw a wrench right into the cog. You want to, you want to you know, mess it up. You don't want the clock to run. You don't want those gears to grind anymore. So with Lomachenko, make it ugly. Toledo did it. And I think Gambosis is active enough that he could do it. Whether he's tough enough or even good enough, is, is, I don't know. But footwork-wise, he got to kill. How you, I mean, outside of Lomachenko being scared of Terrafimo for eight rounds, you kill his footwork by not letting him move like that or move him the way you want him to move. Start with a half, cut it off to a corner, 
Now, where does he got to go? I mean, if you're if you're able to do it, or or I mean, I I, I don't I'm not going to pick Cambosis, but he he's active enough to where if he does the right thing, I think he can beat Lomachenko. Not saying he is. Okay, mm-hmm. Caden, what do you think about uh, Clarissa Shields and uh, Eva Kozen uh, uh, next? Uh, not next Saturday, the following Saturday instead. Um, I got I got I got Clarissa, I got Clarissa Shields. She, she her stand up, mm-hmm. her boxing, the like boxing boxing wise, she she's so good. She outclasses. Uh, she outclasses so many other people. She outclasses most of the men. She hits harder than most of the men, which is which which again happens a lot. And I, I, I again I have I have Clarissa Shields winning that fight by knockout. I'm not I, I'm not I agree with Caden with everything he said except the power. Boy, are you wrong there, brother? Uh, she's got like twelve I, fights I and like two knockouts. Power. She's got 12 fights to two knockouts. Power is proven, not speculated upon. We talk about she's power strong. as being a proven commodity, not a potential. I think she's strong. She she hasn't in any way, shape, or form shown much power there, uh, not throughout you know her career. With that said, uh, she reminds me a lot of Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor is another one who's not a tremendous puncher either, doesn't have a high knockout rate. But with Katie Taylor – and Clarissa Shields are, is they're very strong for their weight class and are tremendously, tremendously fluid and athletic. And because of that, because of the two rounds, man, they're just, they're just too fluid and too athletic for these girls. But power, look at her record, Kate, and she's got like 12 fights and like two knockouts. So I, I severely I disagree with you on that point, personally. I believe. Now, now is this I believe the MMA match? I'm sorry. Boxing. Is this, uh, is this boxing. straight boxing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I mean, as far as that goes, Clarissa Shields, she's, she's strong. Um, she'll go at you. Clarissa, she, mm-hmm. she, she's a warrior style. And with warrior style, I, I love warrior styles because they are very exciting. I don't teach it. I'm going to be honest. I, I, my students, I want them, or anyone I teach, period, I want them to have a little more brain power <laughs> going into the future. So you can, you can be, I mean, you can be aggressive and still not get hit like that. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, perfect example. Yeah, perfect defense coming forward. Joe Frazier had pretty good defense coming forward. Mike Tyson had good defense coming forward. I mean, when, when you get to a certain warrior style, it doesn't always have to be about getting punched. George Foreman got punched because he wasn't as fast. Margarito got punched because he wasn't as fast. But those are two skillful, slow guys. I mean, you, so uh, when you talk about certain things in it, strength is one thing. But when you get the technique under certain rules, it, it, it's, it's a different game, and I would I, I, I would love to see. Like I, I've seen, you know, some things in this, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Somebody a little more skillful at the same weight as Clarissa Shields would give a problem. Just like in MMA, if she wants to do MMA, I would love. If she wants to do both. I don't. I think she was going to be more successful in boxing just because of the level of competition. That she's facing. If it's gonna, if she wants to do MMA, I suggest she forgets about boxing for the next two years. You, you know what, Zito? You, you know, first of all, the level of competition, um, and I mean, she's still young, so she can grow as far as grappling. But where she's coming exactly. from, the level of competition is going to be a lot tougher. Um, as far as <laughs> boxing, you know what? You're right. She does have that kind of warrior come get you mentality. Here's the issue, though: only once. Has she been dropped? If she was dropped coming in wide open, um, yeah. part of, huh? Yeah. Did you say something, Zeno? I was going to say, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but part of the problem um, at this at this point with, with female boxers, you don't have a lot of female boxers right now that have that level of technique coupled with composure and power. 
to be able to catch somebody and take advantage of those flaws. So when you talk about that warrior style, it's, it's perfect for Clarissa Shields because when she's coming in and overwhelming these people, she's getting hit with arm punches for the most part. You know what I mean? Only once did I see that girl turn over on that punch and drop her on the seat of her pants. Um, so, you know, th- there's still differences. Like one thing I will say to me, female MMA has caught up more with the men's game than female boxing has. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see this to me in, in the way Clarissa can approach uh, a lot of fighters. The only time I've seen her really significantly start moving her hand was after she got dropped. She showed she could go mm-hmm. forward behind defense, but she had to get dropped to be able to do that. Typically, she's, you know, again, she's, she's not a big knockout puncher, but she's typically aggressively overwhelming the, the opponents she fights. And no one can make her pay because they don't have the level of technique coupled with the power. At, to, at to, her weight. You know, be able to, at, well, yeah, at her weight. Like Amanda Serrano is one of the bigger punchers uh, record-wise and, and, and mm-hmm. boxing. Um, and, you know, she's somebody who's capable of making you pay, but we're talking two different weight classes. I mean, Clarissa Shields, I mean, you could wait the same weight night, uh, 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 fight night, or uh, uh, my fault, the day before, but Clarissa Shields is a not usually naturally bigger than all of her opponents. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and not to take away from what she does, because she does what she's supposed to do. At the same mm-hmm. time, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's the way you do it. It's the way you mm-hmm. do things, and 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 you see your flaws and things, and you see that's not fight from fight from fight. It's just the same thing. Well, then that's who you are to me. You know what? Where mm-hmm. I will I agree, agree with you know, I don't care what level of competition. Hold on, I don't care what level of competition you're facing. I mean, you. I mean, I, I've seen Sugar Ray Leonard fight less of level of competition and improve his game. So, mm-hmm. Where I agree with Caden, it, it you know, I, like I said, I record-wise, Clarissa Shields shows no power based on her record. She gets no one out of there, but she kind of is like Sean Porter. Part Sean of Porter. the reason why I think she gets because she, like Sean Porter is bull strong, and so is Clarissa Shields. Part of the reason why she doesn't get anybody out there, out of there is because she wings punches. She's just she's attacking. She's not setting shots up. And it's when you set shots up, hit opponents clean, hit them with shots they don't see. That's when you get the knockouts, not when you're just, like, swarming them. Like, at, you know, a.k.a. Sean Porter and Clarissa Shields. Sean Porter is somebody who you always knew, man, if this guy was sharp, he would be able to punch. Because he has so much power in his legs because he the strength generate. His technique is just haphazard. And the same can be said about Clarissa Shields on, to some extent, I think. Sean Porter fights off of calm adrenaline, and 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 he fight, which means that he fights football player rich. He fights down for down, but his downs are twelve rounds. Well, his round, uh, my fault. His downs are three minutes. So mm-hmm. he fights in the football player energy, but not for you know however the down there. He he fights like that for three minutes. That mm-hmm. is one of the most incredible energy displays that I know. A guy that's like that who can take shots like Sean Porter and fight like Sean Porter. Um, I mean, that that's impressive. Clarissa Shields is the same way. Here's the only thing. She's not fighting Keith Thurman. She's not fighting Andre Burroughs to me. Not right now. I mean, it, it's certain levels. As I say, there's levels to it and she, unfortunately, sometimes you see when somebody's a top level and they have no competition, they don't get rated as high. That's kind of what I'm saying with Clarissa. I don't know if she could, you know, I don't, I'm not saying she would lose to somebody who, you know, at her weight who had more technical boxing skill, I'm going to say. I'm not saying she would lose to them. I'm saying that would be the mm-hmm. that, I mean, that would be a gauge. I, I can't gauge her in boxing to a certain extent. I've seen her test mm-hmm. it a little bit, but to be honest, she's smashing the competition. That uh, I mean, 
we need better competition, apparently. That's not her fault, but still. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, Kate, let me ask you something. Um, I always screw this guy's name up. Sakito, uh, uh, he wants to... Uh, he wants to fight Figueroa. Is that a fight that's, that is out there? Who? I, I don't even know. That's right. who, who's the first person? Uh, C-E-J-U-D-O. I screw it up every time. Is it K-D-O? Oh, Cejudo. Here we go. Cejudo. No, he's Henry Cejudo. Yeah, Cejudo was actually cornering Figueroa against Moreno. What's kind of interesting about that is – Henry Cejudo used to be a mentor to Brandon Marino because, you know, Henry Cejudo's Mexican-American, Brandon Marino's Mexican. Uh, but then Cejudo didn't pick Marino for his team on tough, and their relationship descended there, yada, yada, yada. Figueroa is now training with uh, Brandon, with uh, Henry Cejudo, who would be cornering um, Figueroa mm-hmm. for the fight against uh, Brandon Marino. He doesn't want to fight Marino. He's helping uh, – he doesn't want to fight Figueroa. He's helping Figueroa. Okay. I think Henry Cejudo, I was also, I, said, I think I said this last show about how disappointed I was uh, when he, when Dana White said that he couldn't fight uh, Volkanovski, when he couldn't be the, uh, like the film-in. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, it, honestly, I feel like he could come back and fight whoever he wanted, obviously, in his in his in his weight range, obviously he can't go out there and fight like heavyweight or something like that. But um, I think he can fight a lot of people. He can come back and fight for the belt, I think, and win and become champ again. Now that he's triple C, mm-hmm. that's triple C right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, if he, uh, honestly, if he wants to come back and fight um, Moreno, he wants to come back and fight Volkanovski. Uh, I. No, I I think he can win. I think he can win those fights. He wants to come back, fight Jan. So I know Jan's gonna beat mm-hmm. Aljamain Sterling. Mhm. Oh. It's uh, whichever. Oh, Jan is gonna beat Aljamain Sterling. The only thing that stopped him from beating Aljamain Sterling last time was stupidity through a legal name. Aljamain Sterling had nothing for Peter Jan. And Peter Yan, what I like about Peter Yan, first of all, Peter Yan has some of the actual crispest boxing in, in the UFC. And I don't get to the whole oh, yeah. best boxer MMA thing because it's a whole different like skill set, right? But he has some crisp boxing. What I like about Peter Yan is he's also kind of like a classic Muay Thai fighter in that he builds over the course of the fight. So he, he, he starts slower than he ends. And he was, he, by the third round, Al, Alex Jermaine Sterling was, was essentially been ragged out and, and busted up. And then in the fourth round, you know, this is the illegal news. But he started to win that fight going away. So I, I just don't see Jermaine. I don't see Aljo having anything for him because I didn't see him having anything for him when they first won. Completely agree. How about a, uh, let's get back to another female fight that's supposedly coming up, uh, Juliana Pena and uh, Misha Taylor. They both want to fight for, for titles, and they want to fight each other. Uh, well, of the two, just drop down to, Misha, mm-hmm. yeah, just drop down to 125. And Julia Pena mm-hmm. is waiting on a rematch with Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes just left the American Top Team, uh, supposedly mm-hmm. starting her own camp. Um, and, uh, you know, Julia Pena said, hopefully by the summer, Nunez will be ready and they could have the rematch. As far as Misha Tate, because part of the reason why Misha Tate dropped to 125 is because her and Julia Pena are training partners and friends. So she's mm-hmm. really chasing the 135-pound rematch with Amanda Nunez. Mm-hmm. Once her friend beat Amanda Nunez, so I'm not chasing the title now. You know what I mean? So she's mm-hmm. dropping the 125 to target a shot of Valentina Shevchenko. And she's got, I think she's got a 125 max signed right now. So. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Hey, you see, that's actually a, a, that's, that's a big name fight for uh, women's MMA. I like that. The uh, um, Last week there was a, a teaser that uh, Ryan Garcia wanted to fight 
sometime in uh, in, in April, April 2nd. Now this week they came out and said that uh, they've matched up with uh, Tevin Farmer. What's your thoughts on that one? With, oh, uh, wow. That's, that's a – with Tevin Farmer? Yeah. They signed it uh, well, yesterday. Okay, so what we'll wait. So, we'll wait. It would be 135. Ryan's like, he's going to make 130. So, Kevin Farmer is a former champion at 130. Lost, uh, you know, a, a clean decision to Georgia Diaz for his title. Kevin Farmer is very skilled. And so, there, there could be points in the fight where he gives Ryan Garcia some trouble with his, you know, his defensive movement and counterpunch. However, um, at 135, which Terrence, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Farmer has never fought. He's a one-third guy. Uh, he's going to be outgunned. He's, he's going to be at mm-hmm. a significant size disadvantage. And Kevin Farmer is not a, uh, a big puncher at all at one-third. So he is just going to be <laughs> too small and significantly offensively outgunned. Um, in a sense, to me, uh, this is a step back. Uh, for Ryan Garcia from the from the Luke Campbell fight, Luke Campbell was a more credible opponent for him. But with that said, Ryan Garcia is young. He's coming off of a long layoff. He had some mental health issues. He was supposed to fight JoJo Diaz, and he you know, broke his hand. Um, so he's coming off a long layoff. And Terrence Farmer, uh, Terrence Farmer, even though it's a guy, JoJo Diaz should eventually make him or Garcia uh, should eventually blast out of there quite possibly. Uh, Farmer's the kind of guy who going just a few rounds with him is going to make JoJo Diaz, I mean, God, make Ryan Garcia a better fighter. Uh, but Kevin Farmer's severely outgunned, severely outgunned and outside. Um, I, I agree, but has Kevin Farmer been knocked out? Has uh, he been stopped? early in his career. All right. Um, I'm going to say two things. I agree to a point. I don't know if Ryan Garcia stopped Kevin Farmer. Ryan Garcia is fast, but he's not a guy who, who like, like, he's a guy who gets people out of there. Kevin Farmer is a guy who's known to last rounds, and Ryan Garcia isn't around for rounds for the most part. When, when those two kind of fighters run into each other, the better guy wins, but he doesn't get that guy out. I don't think Ryan Garcia catches that Kevin Farmer button. I don't think Ryan Garcia steps on the gas like that as much with Kevin Farmer. Just because Kevin Farmer is not going to be easy to find for him. He's, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm going to say this. He's not the slickest. He's he's slick, not the slickest, but he's pretty cool. And Ryan mm-hmm. Garcia is an explosive force. When those explosive forces run into a school guy, well, two things usually happen. Well, they're not of weight. They're not nearly of weight, to be honest. Usually, the guy who's bigger and more skilled wins. Or bigger and more talented wins. Harder hitting, faster guy. But here's the thing. Tevin Farmer's quicker than Garcia. I think he's quicker of thought. Mm-hmm. Defensive thought, yeah. Garcia yeah. is going to yeah. put himself out there. He's going to step. Oh, Kevin yeah. Farmer's he definitely processes faster than uh, Garcia at this point in his career. But you know what? That's why I said however many rounds it goes, it's a good comeback fight and great learning experience for a young fighter to be in there with a guy like Tevin Farmer because he's going to be going to be tricky. Oh, I, I agree. He's going, to, he's going to give up a few rounds, and I think just in the middle part. He's going to explode in the beginning and – Middle's good, and then he's gonna when things wear down. Everybody's tired. I think he's gonna, you know, what I mean, maybe bag a few late ones. But we'll see. It's a good test. Hey, Keen, uh, there's a uh, fight out hanging out there right now, waiting to be signed. Uh, Dustin Poirier and uh, Nate Diaz. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've been I've been hearing so much about that fight um, on social media. You know, all over, all over Instagram, all over Twitter, it's everywhere. People want to see that fight happen. Honestly, it's. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to see it happen too soon because, I mean, because of Dustin Poirier. Uh, but 
Nate Diaz does have one fight left on his contract, and we did see him fight mm-hmm. Leon Edwards, and um, he did. I mean, he was getting he was getting beaten. He was getting beaten pretty badly by Leon, except for the end. If, if I don't know if anybody saw that that picture of um, of, of Nate Diaz got that that quick one two in on 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 Leon and pointed at him. That was that was pretty cool. But that's just that's just Nate Diaz. Um, and I think it's going to be the same with when he, if he fights, if he ever does fight um, Dustin Poirier, he's probably going to get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nate Diaz, like I said last time, it's a lot about um, uh, mentality. Nate Diaz, and so so is Nick. They don't they don't stop. They can take a bunch of punches in the face, and it's they keep the same mentality. They keep the same pressure. They keep the same speed the entire fight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much blood is dripping out of their nose. It doesn't matter you know what round it is. They're always the same. They're going to be throwing 100% every single punch of the fight. Okay. I need you as my second. I need you as my second in the corner. <laughs> Just, you make a lot of mm-hmm. sense. I need you. I mean, I... All right. Let me give you another, another one. I'll see if I trip you up with this one. Mauricio Hooker and uh, Connor Ben. You know, that's know the fight. No, they're boxers, right? Mm-hmm. Maurice Hooker okay. uh, is coming off of a, a stoppage loss to Virgil Ortiz, in which he was busting mm-hmm. Ortiz up, um, but Ortiz mm-hmm. was just was, was too strong for him, right? Hooker yep. uh, had come up from 140 to 147. Um, with that said, the Conor Ben fight would be a very dangerous mm-hmm. fight for Conor Ben at this point in his career. He will probably go in mm-hmm. as a favorite because of career momentum. But even his promoter, Eddie Hearn, said, you know, that's a very dangerous fight. The fights they were looking for, obviously, bigger-name opponents, Adrian Broner, uh, Robert Guerrero, bigger-name opponents, and at this point, probably a little bit easier to beat. Uh, Maurice Hooker is fresh. He's been active. He's just not a big guy at uh, – you know, he's rangy, he's tall, but he's just not a big guy at 147. Um, but Connor Ben, at this point in his career – uh, possesses neither the the strength, power, or technique of Virgil Ortiz. So uh, Eddie Hearn has acknowledged that'd be a really dangerous fight, which I think it would too, because um, not only will Maurice Hooker let him go, but he punches pretty hard too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for a guy coming up to what forty. Uh, so we'll see if mm-hmm. he gets signed. But right now, out of all the opponents that we talked about on the show that Eddie Hearn has mentioned. That is probably the most like the fight with the most likelihood because Maurice Hooker, I don't think, has the promotional affiliation issues that the other fighters would have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you. Uh, uh, I guess you got all of you. Uh, after his last fight, uh, Callum Smith seems to uh, be the number one contender in the lightweight uh, division. Uh, who would be uh, a good fight for him at his next one? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because he, he moved up after the Canelo loss to light heavyweight, and he, I mean, had a chilling, chilling knockout. Chilling knockout. If you get a chance, Google it. It was chilling. Um, and so he's not the number one contender in the light heavyweight division. He might, you know, get a high mm-hmm. ranking by one of the sanctioning bodies, but he would probably mm-hmm. have to fight an eliminator uh, before he would be able to, to, you know, target a Joe Smith, a Bivol, or um, or a Berta BS. But with that said, mm-hmm. being the 168-pound champion, at one time the 168-pound ring champion, his name does have cachet, and, you know, the whole thing is about recency bias, you know what I mean? And he just recently had a chilling knockout. So, um, you know, his name might get called, you know, for a shot at one of these belts. But in all likelihood, he probably would have to fight the eliminator. Oh, Butch, I have some news for you. Go ahead. You ready? So, tonight, Gary yeah, Russell makes his long-awaited return real quick. That's not the news, but I'm just – prefacing that. Right. right. Um, Gary oh, Russell God. defending his title. He so Gary Russell's fought yeah, basically he, he's fought Gary Russell has fought uh only one time a year since twenty fourteen 
and hasn't fought in two years. The reason why I say that, Gary Russell's fighting tonight hasn't fought in two years. I just read today, someone else who hasn't fought in two years has just signed for a fight. Our very own, the new Ray Robinson. Really? Yeah, Ray's got a fight. I I just read it on ring.com earlier today. I forgot who he's fighting. Um, Ray's 36 now, but this will be his first fight. Yeah. I'll give him a call after, after we get off the air and get him on for next week. He loves it when we call him and tell you know, him that we know he's fighting. It's so funny, man, that, that, you know, he's 36, but it should be pretty well preserved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, because all the starts and stops he's had in his career. And, you know, the other thing, too, is he hasn't taken a lot of damage. And we know Ray takes care of his body as well. Um, you know, one thing I can say about Ray, and this is how you know, like, guys like him and Bernard Hopkins take care of their bodies. You know, I've, I've had the fortune of meeting both of them in person, and both of them have really clear and clean complexion, which goes to show that they're putting healthy things in their body as well as doing the external things to take care of themselves. So, yep, our, our, our buddy's coming back. Um, again, I don't remember Good. the date or the opponent, but I did read that the fight here signed. Good. He's a good guy. He's good. Guys, we're just about up. To, in fact, I added 13 minutes on, so it's, uh, I appreciate all your help. And, uh, yeah. Great job, as usual. Gave super job on top of everything. Z, always a, a technician. Uh, Ty, always bringing up uh, great great things about every player. I appreciate everything you do. Uh, uh, do one more. Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, if you're tired of paying the high bills, on your electricity, and you want to lower them over the next 20, 50% over the next 25 years, give Biosutton Solar a call at area code 727-314-6976 and ask for Patrick and the guys. They can help you save an awful lot of money. If you tell them you heard you're going to fight the words, they'll give you a $200 discount right away. The guys, uh, I want to, again, appreciate everything you've done. Uh, Zito, you want to lead us out? Absolutely. Uh, I want to apologize again for being a little late and missing last week's show. I will try to be on point next week. Uh, another wonderful show. want to thank you, Bob, you, Caden. Uh, oh, I want to thank you, Butch, you, Ty, all my Fighting Words family. Anyone wants to hear any fighting words, oh, please do call. And these shows are dedicated in memory of Bob, Coach Mel, and Dr. Chris. Ty? Butch, Caden, Zeta, always a pleasure. Bob and Tony, we miss you. Got two words for you guys. Gan Nunganu. That is tonight. Here today, gone tomorrow. Get it? Bob is our co-pilot. <laughs> Coach Mel's watching over us. Dr. Chris, thanks for laughing. And everyone have a safe and wonderful week. Gabe? Yeah, I just want to say it's another great show to be on, another, another great night to be on. I'll be on next week. And I just want to say um, make sure you watch out for that upset tonight. I got gone winning. It's not really an upset, I guess, if you're, if you're going in with, uh, with um, <laughs> the favorites in, in Vegas. But on this show, it's an upset. Um, there you I go. wish everybody has a Well, I no, I'm has with a, you. Uh, I got God winning, night. too. Here today, yeah, gone tomorrow. Uh, exactly. There <laughs> we go. I got some, at least yeah, I got someone you. with me. All right. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody once again for a great job. And these, uh, uh, tonight, I know that uh, one of the departed members of our staff, uh, uh, Tommy Gilbert would be smiling up there in heaven because uh, his Bengals won today, and uh, that's all he ever wanted to see was them do them uh, do so well. Um, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of fire services, the men and women on the first line of COVID, the doctors, the nurses, and especially the people that clean up the, the hospitals, they are the ones who really need your help and your prayers that they don't catch it. 
uh, and the people who are so previously to, to stock the up shelves in the supermarket. Um, these programs are also dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Pennell, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Polkat, Sergeant Thomas Bakinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henley, <coughs> Sergeant uh, Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Gavin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Charlie Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, Patrolman and Officer Christian Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrol Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Matt Leach, I'm sorry, Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artif Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Al Hogle, Wilmington Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, but sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rain still softly in your fields and sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless and thank you for listening.
1999. All units be advised, 1999's responded to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you.